This is Cruise Radio. Now more than ever, you should consider trip insurance for any kind of trip you take, not just cruises. Get a free quote at tripinsurance.com. Broadcasting from the tripinsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. This is Cruise Radio. Hey, how's it going? My name is Doug Parker. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio. A review of Carnival Magic this week, and Richard Sims is back with Cruise News. He's hanging in the wings. We'll punch him up in just a couple of moments. Cruise Radio News, i got to tell you, there's been a ton of news happening over the past couple of weeks. In fact, I, I was on a three-week road trip out to Wyoming and Utah, did a little bit of skiing. We're back in the studio now, so things are back to normal for now, I guess is whatever normal is these days, right? Cruise Radio News, the three things you need to know, sometimes four things you need to know, Monday through Friday, just opposite of this channel at Cruise Radio News, or catch it on YouTube as well. All right, staff writer Richard Sims is here to catch you up on this week's Cruise News. Hey, buddy. Hey, Doug. How are you? The CDC let the CSO expire, but we're starting to learn that doesn't mean a whole lot. It really means nothing. Um, You know, the conditional sale order has now become basically voluntary. And the CDC has given cruise lines until the end of the week to say whether they are going to sign on to basically following this voluntary program or not. It seems like most cruise lines will. Norwegian already has. Um, We're waiting to hear, at least as we record this, from the others. What that will mean is they still follow the exact same protocols that they had in place, and many of them, keep in mind, are following protocols that are even stricter than what the CSO put in place. And as long as they do this, they will continue to be given a color code. So you can look on that color-coded chart and see, you know, have there been cases on board? Is there an investigation underway? Cruise lines that decide not to take part in this will be listed as gray on the color chart, basically meaning they are not taking part in this and we have no way of telling you what's going on on those ships. But, you know, I think anybody who was thinking that once the CSO fell to the wayside or became voluntary, that like, okay, we don't have to wear masks and we won't have to get tested and any of that, they're going to be very disappointed because the cruise lines are definitely going to continue as long as the, you know, as long as COVID continues to be a factor in our lives, the cruise lines are going to continue to put every measure into place that they can in order to, you know, continue sailing. I want to speak on that color chart just for a moment here, because I think that um, a lot of people be getting a lot of emails about this, Richard, that they're seeing that the ship is went from green to yellow and they're freaking out. But it, one crew member testing positive, even asymptomatic or seven passengers can turn it from green to yellow. So just because it's yellow doesn't mean the, the half the ship has COVID. Right, exactly. I mean, I do wish that there was a better system in place, to be honest. I wish that it wasn't simply a Mm color-coded system that they also said, you know, exactly how many cases were on board and and that the cruise lines were... The cruise lines do report that information to the CDC, but the CDC does not report that information to us and the cruise lines do not report that information to us. So there's sort of... I wish there was more transparency there because it would probably help people who are freaking out Mm -hmm. to find out that, you know, yeah, it was just... It was, you know, one guy who works in the, you know, the laundry tested positive but we don't know so all we have is that color chart to go on Mm -hmm. yeah for sure so crystal cruises that's the luxury cruise line here in north america their parent company is in a little bit of financial troubles and the waters look rough 
Yeah, it's not looking good for Crystal. So Genting basically said Genting Hong Kong owns Crystal. They also own um, Dream Cruises and Star Cruises. They filed for bankruptcy and said that they won't be able to pay their bills as of late January. Now, when they first made this announcement, they also sort of made some noises like, you know, but we're going to do what we can to protect our cruise investments and, you know, maybe they'll be okay. But then, like, hours later... Crystal Cruises uh, basically announced that the three ships that are currently sailing are all coming back and that they will not be launching again until probably at least April. They're kind of looking and sussing out the situation to see what they can do next. I won't be at all surprised if the next thing we hear is that the three crystal ships are up for sale. You know, there, there just doesn't seem to be much way for Genting to get out of this because if they have no money coming in, then how can they possibly keep things afloat, so to speak? But when you say for sale, you're not talking about like scrapping. You're saying maybe a private equity firm buys them or something? Definitely. Okay. Or even, you know, maybe a competitor, you know, maybe yeah. some competitor sees it as a good investment and says, I, you know, luxury, the smaller ships and luxury ships are definitely, you know, they're a trend. They are, they are something that people are looking at, especially now with everything going on in the world. People don't necessarily want to get on a ship with 4,000 people. Maybe they want the smaller, more luxurious experience and they're willing to pay more. So if you're you're a cruise line, if you're one of the main cruise lines and you're looking to expand your luxury fleet, this might be a chance to pick up some ships that are in good shape and that you can get for you know less than you'd pay for a new one. Now, are you brokering this deal, Richard? They need to talk to you? Well, let's just say that uh, <laughs> you can reach out to me if you like, and I will see okay. what I can do. I, I only take a 25% commission. Okay, so. good. Uh, Norwegian Cruise Line, uh, which they were owned by Genting at one time, um, they have made some changes to their free at sea program. What are we seeing here? You know, you say that they were owned by Genting at one time. It's kind of interesting when you look at the Genting ships, like the Dream Class, the mm-hmm. Dream ships. They look so much totally. like the Norwegian yeah. ships. If you put them side by side. I don't think most people would be able to pick them um, uh, one from the other, even from the hull art and everything, not to mention the layouts on board. But here we're talking about the free at sea. So if you've ever booked a Norwegian cruise or even looked at a Norwegian cruise or been to their website, you've seen the words free at sea and you know that it basically means when you book, you get certain perks. I always say that anybody who books our Norwegian Cruise Line cruise and pays for the drink package must have done something terribly wrong in another life because there's almost no way to get on their ships without getting the drink package for free. But here what's happening is they're cutting back some of the perks associated with the free at sea program. In the past, Pretty much every guest who stepped foot on a three to five night cruise got one free meal and you got two free meals if you were on a six to eight night cruise and it sort of increased as you went along. You also got um, a certain number of free Wi-Fi minutes, depending on, you know, how long your cruise was going to be. Now they've sort of shifted things a little bit. All guests will receive a one meal for three to six night cruises, no matter what cabin category they're in. But only those in balconies and above will get two free meals. And that's on, I'm looking at seven night cruises, basically. You know, that's the most common. It mm-hmm. does change when you go up. The one big difference is that in the past, the higher up you got, like if you were doing a 12-day or a 13-day or a 15-day, they kept adding more. You'd get like three free meals. And when we say free meals, we mean free dinners in specialty restaurants. Uh, you could get four or five. Now, three is the max. That's it kind of tops out 
there. With the internet, previously guests got 100 minutes if they were on a three to six day cruise, 250 minutes if they were on a seven to 13 day cruise. And, you know, if you were lucky enough to be on a 14 day cruise or more, you got 500 minutes. Now guests will receive 75 minutes. So that's 25 minutes less for the three to six day cruise, 150 minutes for the seven to 11 day cruise and 300 minutes for 12 plus days. Now, what is good here is that that comes with two logins for each stateroom. And that means that the minutes are per person, not per stateroom now. So in a way, that's sort of an increase. You know, you're getting less if you were looking at it um, at just for, if you're traveling by yourself, for example, you're going to get less. But if you're traveling with somebody, you're each now going to get those minutes. So, you know, that kind of balances out nicely. Moving on to this new Royal Caribbean ship, Wonder of the Seas. This, uh, this new venue on here looks kind of good and right up your alley. Oh, my God. I read the description of this and was pretty much ready to go and sample everything on the menu. So it's called Mason Jar, and it specializes in southern cooking and southern drinking. Um, so you can expect to see, like, biscuits and gravy and fried chicken and blackened catfish. I mean, I'm sure there's something healthy on the menu, but I did not find it immediately. They're also going to have, and this is a big one for me, they're going to have a dozen different American whiskeys. Now, I, I love whiskey samplings. I'm really hoping that one of the things they do is like a nice high-end whiskey sampling. That also means you're going to see southern drinks like, you know, you're going to have mint juleps on the menu, of course. The whole look of the place is sort of cozy country. Um, it even has like a porch swing on the front. In a weird way, it gives me and, and this is going to sound terrible, but it gives me sort of almost Cracker Barrel vibes in a way, but like a high-end Cracker Barrel. Mm -hmm. The other thing I find really interesting is that the location of it is going to be right next to the Windjammer, at least according to the deck plans. And I think that's kind of smart because it's almost like, hey, before you go into the free place, come over here and check out what we've got at this <laughs> amazing country place right here. Sit on the porch swing, read the menu, and maybe come here instead of going and getting the free food. Yeah, no, that that's smart. And I, I do love me. I can eat a Cracker Barrel every single day. I love me some Cracker Barrel. I know you do. So I have a feeling if we end up on this ship, that's going to be a place we definitely have to. Yeah, absolutely. So Celebrity Cruises is delaying the return of a West Coast ship and also axing the med season for one cruise ship. So the Celebrity Eclipse has been in dry dock, and it was supposed to come out of dry dock and begin sailings out of Los Angeles in March. But they are now delaying that return, and as a result, they're having to cancel four sailings. Now, the company is saying that this will allow them to focus more on the ships that are already serving um, and already in service. It also is to give them time to prepare for the launch of Celebrity Beyond. That's um, the new ship that's the sister ship to Edge and Apex, and it's supposed to come out in April. As far as the med, this, I love when cruise lines do this. They cancel cruises, but they make it sound like, you know, but it's, it's for you. Yep. We're doing this for you. <laughs> they, uh, their, their statement basically said celebrity cruises is pleased to announce. We will be relocating celebrity infinity from Europe to the Caribbean. As a result, we will be canceling all celebrity infinity Mediterranean sailings. So, you know, yes, we're doing this great thing. We're moving the ship, but as a result, we're canceling all of the sailings between April 15th and November 28th. So that's a lot of sailings that they're going to be canceling. But on the other hand, they will be opening the seven-night Caribbean cruises for sale in summer and fall months. So it's sort of a trade-off, I guess. And speaking of trade-offs, you see what I did there? 
I do. Yeah, that was good. You were just on a ship that uh, is going to experience a trade-off of cruise directors pretty soon. Look at you. You are the king of segues. <laughs> so Mike Pack has been the cruise director for the Carnival Mardi Gras. Well, it's actually Mardi Gras. It's not Carnival Mardi Gras. Um, but he's had a really interesting journey because the original cruise director was, of course, Matt Mitchum. And Matt was recording videos with John Heald and doing all the pre-promotions and going to all the events to celebrate Mardi Gras. And then suddenly Matt Mitchum announced that he was leaving the company. So they brought Mike Pack in to become the cruise director for Mardi Gras. But then, you know, there were delays and then the pandemic. And by the time it was time for the ship to actually launch, Mike's wife, Emma, who happens to also be a cruise director in the Carnival family, had a baby. So he needed time off. So he left Mardi Gras and they brought in Chris Williams, who is better known as the Flying Scotsman. And he took over the ship for a while. Then Mike Pack came back. But he's not going to be there long because now he has gotten a promotion and he's going to be basically sort of overseeing all the cruise directors in the fleet. He's going to be training new cruise directors and uh, sort of traveling around the country. So Chris Williams is going to be back on the Mardi Gras and he will be there. Uh, I think he's going to be there through March. And then in March, Lee Mason will come on board and Lee will be on the ship through July. So. The good news is when you get on Carnival Mardi Gras, you will definitely have a cruise director. Oh, but gosh, maybe God. don't maybe don't book it based on who it's going to be until you're sh- on that ship because you may not know. It seems like there's a lot of switching going on. Yeah, what do they say? The only thing constant is change, I guess. Yes. Um, yeah, it's interesting, yes. though. I personally, like, I guess you would call it a cruise director. I'm not a cruise director groupie or junkie or whatever. Like, I... I just go on the, the itinerary I want to go on, whether it be for the sea days, for the ports, for the the voyage, whatever, the amenities on the ship. I don't think I've ever – and I've been on a lot of cruises over the past 20-something years. I've never booked a cruise for the cruise director. I am in the same boat with you, so to speak, or I guess I should say same ship. Uh, I have never done that. I've never even considered doing that. But we also have to acknowledge there are a lot of people who, you oh, know, yeah. really do. They look forward to they 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 request the who's going to be the cruise director. They request that information months in advance. I always am seeing people asking John Heald for the future lists of who's going to be the cruise director. I don't know that they necessarily would cancel if it's not the person that they want, but they definitely are very invested in the cruise director. I get it. I mean, a good cruise director, you know, can can really turn kind of a bland, rainy sea day into something really special. But for me personally, they've never really been, you know, make or break. I remember that one cruise director you had back in 2015 or 2016 that went on um, that Norwegian ship, and you did not like that guy. Did not like him at all. We, we won't say his say name, names, but yeah. But no, no, yeah. no. I, 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 <laughs> and in fact, I will say that that was a rare case where a cruise director, I'm not saying he ruined my trip or anything, but every time they came on the uh, loudspeaker, it annoyed me. Listener question time, email yours, Doug, at cruiseradio.net. Billy says, I signed up for the free testing kits that the U.S. Postal Service is sending out for per household, and it has me wondering, can I use this test to meet my pre-cruise testing requirement? 
Sadly, Billy, no, I'm afraid you cannot. Um, the problem is that the cruise lines that allow you to use a at-home test require that it be proctored. That's when you basically go on your computer and a, you know, we'll say doctor, someone on the other end watches you do the whole thing to make sure you do it right. The antigen tests that are being sent out by the government are not those. They are not proctored. So you wouldn't be able to use it for your actual cruise. That said, what I, I did order mine and what I plan to do with them is about a week before my next cruise, use them to sort of make sure that there's no problems on the horizon. My next cruise happens to be with Norwegian and Norwegian is currently doing t testing at the pier. I don't want to get to the pier and find out, oh crap, I tested positive. So I'm going to use mine to test at home, you know, a week before just to make sure everything is okay. In fact, I might even do it again the morning that I'm heading to the pier I don't want to be that person who finds out that they can't get on the ship. So you can use it in that regard, but you will not be able to use it if, for example, if you're traveling on Carnival where they allow you to take the tests at home, you will not be able to use this type of test because it is not proctored. It's not overseen by somebody to make sure you're doing the right thing. So they have no way of making sure you're not, you know, sticking somebody else's, uh, sticking your swab up somebody else's nose or something like that in order to get on board the ship, which people will do. Mm -hmm. uh, you just said something before we hop here. You said problems on the horizon and the Carnival Horizon is back in Miami now. It got back on Wednesday afternoon and it leaves on its first cruise on the 22nd. So hopefully that propulsion is all good. And uh, fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah. Horizon is going to have just a great season of eight and six night voyages. Let's go. Yeah, absolutely. Staff writer Richard Sims, as always, uh, good talking to you, buddy. It's been a long time. Been a long time. Glad to be here. You're listening to Cruise Radio, the trusted voice of the cruise industry. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker for my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not, not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. Have a question or a comment for the show? Yeah! Send an email or voice memo to Doug at CruiseRadio.net. So Isaiah just returned from a seven-night Eastern Caribbean cruise aboard Carnival Magic out of Port Canaveral. It went down to actually one of the, not the, but one of the first ships back to Grand Turk. He's here to talk all about his experience and the cruise itself. Isaiah, welcome to the show, my friend. Hey, Doug. How you doing, man? So I want to hear all about your cruise on Carnival Magic and, of course, very jealous of you being on one of the very first ships back into Grand Turk. But before we get to that, we're going to take a couple of steps back here. Give me some pre-cruise thoughts. I know you live uh, down in central Florida, but what made you want to take this seven-night Eastern Caribbean sailing on Magic? Well, Doug, it was, it was actually really last minute for us. My girlfriend and I, we, we just had our 10-year anniversary, and I was tasked with planning it. <laughs> So uh, I did um, did some looking around, and I saw that this cruise was available at a pretty reasonable rate. So we decided, hey, we have the time off. Let's do it. 
Very cool. So you make your way from Central Florida over to Port Canaveral to embark the ship. How was the embarkation process and how different was this embarkation against previous embarkations? Honestly, not too much more different. I mean, obviously, a lot of more people wearing masks this time than mm-hmm. <laughs> before the pandemic and everything. But it was uh, it was fairly easy, honestly. Probably curbed the ship maybe 30 minutes. We waited in a little bit of a line to get our, our documents checked and our vaccine passports checked and everything like that. But it was it was fairly easy. Okay, so 30 minutes, you're on the ship. And what were your first impressions of Carnival Magic? Gorgeous. Gorgeous. This is actually our first time on the Magic. And, you know, walking in on, on deck three there, and you, you walk into that atrium, it, it just felt nice to be back cruising. It was just uh, one of my favorite parts of cruising. It's funny. It's a I love walking on the gangway, like yeah. coming up and you're just kind of watching the ship as you're coming up. And it's just like a surreal experience not being on a ship for so long and finally being able to being able to be back on the seas. Yeah, I know for sure. Now, I know Carnival's doing their, like every other cruise line is doing their muster drill, a little bit different than the last time you cruised. Did you go ahead and knock your e-muster out right out of the way? Oh, yeah, it was incredible. I hope they don't go back um, <laughs> to the way they did it before. It was amazing. We, uh, the hardest part was getting to our muster station, um, which I think was all the way in the back of the ship. So mm-hmm. we had to go up a couple of decks, but it was incredibly easy. We went in there, the, they gave us a little presentation, and uh, they signed us off, and we were good. It was uh, very, very easy, and I, I, I truly hope they continue to do it that way. Yeah, I believe they're probably going to stay this course because it took a lot of change with the U.S. Coast Guard to make this happen and for them to approve this. So I'm pretty sure we're going to see this for the foreseeable future. Hey, man, is, uh, I'm all here for yeah, it. Yeah, I'm all about that as well. So you make your way to the stateroom. What kind of stateroom did you book and what did you think of it? Yeah, we actually got a balcony stateroom uh, for the first time and we're not going to be going back anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> it was awesome. Plenty of room. It was only the two of us on there. So a lot of plenty of space for two people. We were actually on the port side, uh, kind of aft of mm-hmm. the ship, um, and I think we were, we were on deck nine. So it was a uh, great views too. So it and incredible, incredible views, incredible room. Uh, if you haven't done a balcony room yet and you're you're on the fence about it, you should definitely do it. Nice. And as far as the balcony space, I know this is your very first balcony, but did you feel the space was adequate out there on the uh, on the balcony? Uh, I think so. Like I said, yeah. it was two of us, so it, it, it felt perfect. Mm-hmm. Uh, for us, if you're getting into where you have your family with you and there's maybe four, three or four people with you, it, it yeah. might get a little crowded. But gotcha. with just the two of us, man, it was, it was perfect. Great. Nice to have a drink out there every now and then. Yeah, no, for sure. So let's talk about dining on board Carnival Magic. And we'll start at the Lido Deck Marketplace, the buffet for the ship. How was the dining up there? And uh, like, what kind of protocols is Carnival doing these days for the buffet area? Um, so for the Lido, we didn't eat there too much. We maybe ate there um, a couple of breakfasts, but really I ate my breakfast at Blue Iguana Cantina. They had mm-hmm. great breakfast burritos there. But as far as protocols goes, um, it seemed a lot of like serve yourself situations. Yeah. Um, they would have certain items that were kind of farther back in the buffet that I guess if you were really daring, you could reach back there <laughs> and grab yourself. But most of the time for those kind of items, you would just kind of wave at somebody who was standing there and they would serve you whatever you uh whatever you like so no no issues with getting however much food you wanted but um it was definitely different than what i thought it was going to be they're uh definitely letting you do a lot more than mm-hmm. i expected yeah how about out by the pool did you uh hit up either guy's burger joint or blue iguana cantina 
Oh, for sure. I mean, is it a Carnival Cruise if you don't hit True. Guy's Burger Joint? <laughs> yeah, which one's your favorite? Uh, well, yeah, definitely Guy's Burger Joint will be my favorite. Great burgers, great toppings, awesome. Blue Iguana Cantina, awesome as well. I can't recommend it enough for breakfast. They have great breakfast burritos, and they have um, arepas there in the morning. Oh, man, those are excellent. Yeah. So what time dining did you have, and how was your dining room experience? We had the early dining, so like the 6 o'clock dining and in the dining room man um it's awesome i can't praise it enough it's uh it was incredible our server eric he made sure we had everything we needed at all times we both got the drink package for for this ship and he was there to help us make sure we uh we got as many drinks as we needed (laughs) (laughs) it's funny how they do that right oh you know it's it's like they got something going on yeah now what was your favorite meal in the main dining room Definitely the lobster on the yeah. fancy night. Did you do more than one? Of course. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> how, many, how many did you throw back? I had one and my girlfriend had one and we ended up sharing one. So okay. that way we could we could say we only had one each, but really go. we had one and a half. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. How about any specialty like the steakhouse or cucina, anything like that? Yeah. So we actually did um, the steakhouse for our actual anniversary night and that was incredible. It was really, really good. Um I did the risotto for an appetizer and very, very, very well done. My girlfriend, she she got the uh, the onion soup, which was also very good. I'm not huge on onion soup. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a little bit of hers, and it was it was really good. So, yeah. if you want to get out of your comfort zone a little bit, I I definitely try it out. I opted for the New York strip. She wanted the uh, the Australian wagyu, and uh, I don't know what to say. It was just incredible. It was <laughs> really good. If you if you got the extra dime to uh, to spend. For the little bit more in quality, it's definitely worth it. Yeah. Did um, was it? Is it still thirty eight dollars a person? Yes. Yeah. yeah. It was. It was thirty eight dollars a person. I feel like we got. We well got our our value yeah. of of that, especially with the dessert. We did the um the art at your table dessert, which was just a really cool experience. Well, I mean, for thirty eight dollars a person, I mean, you're down there in Central Florida. That that will barely get you an appetizer at Disney. Right, yeah, yeah so. it's funny because we we you know we live near Disney and mm-hmm. we we compare a lot to Disney when yeah. we go on our vacations and we're like ah oh, well yeah. we would pay this much <laughs> anyway so right <laughs> well let's talk about entertainment on this seven night cruise how was it and we'll start in the uh, the playlist productions in the main theater there I think we did about maybe one or two shows there mm-hmm. nothing was incredibly fantastic they were fun shows the depth the energy was high but it just maybe it just wasn't our our type of shows that we we like we sat through them and you know they were they were nice but really we we spent our time elsewhere on the ship like hanging out at different bars with the different music um all over the ship it was um it was just a nice place to just chill out (laughs) grab a drink after a long day in port yeah did you uh, catch any of the comedy shows we did actually towards the end of our cruise we were able to get into more of the comedy shows those seem to be more packed in the beginning of the ships i don't Mm -hmm. in the beginning of the uh the week, I don't know why. We hit some up at the towards the end of the, the cruise, and they were all of them were, were very, very funny. I haven't found a comedian I don't like on Carnival yet. Yeah. Did they tell you, um, or were there any ramblings around the ship about the capacity limits on this ship, like what it was sailing at? Yeah, a, a lot of people were talking about it being at 70%. Mm-hmm. I think it was higher. I think they were sailing at a little bit of a higher capacity. Um, not to say that I think it was very crowded, I don't know. 70% just didn't seem right to me. Yeah. I mean, 70% is what they restarted at six months ago, five months ago. So I think they've notched it up a little bit more since then. So let's talk about the um, days at sea being at 70 to 80%. We'll say, how were the sea days as far as crowds and congestion? They weren't too bad. It wasn't too busy. Um, 
if you really wanted to eat at the buffet, you could. It wasn't you weren't waiting forever. The elevator situations got a little bit crowded on sea days, but it wasn't wasn't too terrible. The only place I think that was really difficult to kind of get a seat at or find somewhere to lounge at was Serenity. Serenity up there seemed a little bit small. A lot of people want to be, I guess, in the quiet, which, I mean, I can't blame them. They're on vacation. Sure. But that was the only place we really couldn't, like, get a spot. Anywhere else on Lido, though, I mean, if you if you wanted to sit out on Lido, you could. There wasn't anything stopping you. Are the chair hogs back at sea? Oh, 100%. <laughs> okay, good. 100%. There were, there were many up on Serenity deck that I was uh, – I was looking at it and I was just like, yeah, that makes sense. We're, yeah. we're back. Cruising is yeah, back in full form. Absolutely. Let's talk about your ports of call on this seven-night Eastern. Uh, give us the port of call and give us a highlight and just move to the next one. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, so first up was Amber Cove uh, down in the Dominican Republic. That was actually uh, my first time there. And we decided to do a taxi tour of uh, Puerto Plata, which is right next to Amber Cove there. Mm-hmm. And it was it was quick enough that we could do a lot of like sightseeing. We did like a little amber museum they had. We went to the um, the cathedral they had. Uh, we went up to one of the forts. Our taxi driver brought us up uh, the mountain a little bit. We got a nice little scenic view of uh, Puerto Plata and and the ocean and everything like that. We got a lot of great pictures. That was a uh, that was a lot of fun there. And then next up was St. Thomas. Another first time. I had never been there before. Unfortunately, our time in St. Thomas, it was very rainy. Not a whole lot uh, seemed to be open. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of shops were open and everything like that. And we were just kind of exploring, walking around, just you know, getting our steps in for the day. And we found a, a barbecue place that was not very far away from where the, uh, the ship had docked. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really good. Not what I expected, actually. Um, they had a lot of great food. Um, great drinks, fairly priced, I think. And it was also a great spot to take cover from the rain because uh, nice. it was kind of relentless that day. After that, we went to San Juan, which was probably my highlight for the cruise. It was um, now one of my favorite ports. It was my first time going there. Um, old San Juan is beautiful. You get the opportunity, please. Just get off the ship and just walk around a little bit. It's it's gorgeous. We actually did the Casa Bacardi run tasting tour there. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a lot of fun. I will definitely say you uh, it's a little bit pricey, um, but you definitely get your money's worth in rum. Yeah, I've been to the Bacardi Rum Factory. It was years ago, probably like 10 years ago. But I probably remember you pay this like nominal fee to get in, but you can pretty much like have as many samples as you'd like. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, pretty much just like that. Yeah. The uh, the guy who was given the tour, he was he was very, very, very good at his job. He was mm-hmm. awesome at telling the story of, of uh, Bacardi and everything. And, you know, at the end, he was like, hey, what I didn't see didn't happen, you know. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Take as much as you'd like. Uh, so your very last port of call was Grand Turk. Super jealous because you were on one of the first ships back there. Let us know. How was it? Grand Turk was beautiful. I had actually gone there when I was um, a lot younger, so I didn't remember too much. Unfortunately for us, uh, the day prior, or the night prior, we had um, a very rough uh, sea, and uh, neither myself nor my girlfriend were feeling very well. Um, so we got to enjoy Grand Turk from our balcony. <laughs> okay. Uh, we didn't get to get off the ship. Uh, it seemed like their restrictions were still in place as well. Um, you know, obviously they don't want any outbreaks, and I can't blame them. But it was incredibly gorgeous, uh, yeah. just being able to sit on our balcony and enjoy breakfast and have a morning mimosa. <laughs> yeah. 
and looking out at the uh, the beautiful island it was it was incredible i was um i can't wait to go back i'm i'm ready I know Carnival has changed the protocols um, since you've sailed as far as smoking in the casino, but when you were on board, um, and Magic is kind of historically known for having this whole smoke situation thing happening, um, was the smoke noticeable in or around the casino? So, funny enough, we were in the casino pretty often, so Mm -hmm. the smoke situation wasn't terrible, uh, I would say, but... In the middle of our cruise, not really the middle, like the end of our cruise, we actually got um, information saying about the updated protocols where they were no longer allowing smoke in the casinos. Oh, wow. So, so it was it's kind of in the middle of the cruise. And not even, again, like I said, not even the middle, towards the end where they're telling these people who have been smoking the entire time yeah. that they no longer can smoke in the casino. So <laughs> I did get to see that conversation happen a couple times. But other than that prior the smoke situation wasn't too bad. They were kind of keeping it to a minimum. Um, only one half of the casino was able to smoke. And even then, it wasn't too bad. We we did get some smoke here and there, but definitely not the worst I've ever experienced. And I guess in all fairness, too, like I haven't been on since 2019. And with the whole, like, you know, everyone's notching up their air purification and stuff, like they could have actually increased that, too, in there as well, kind of right. as part of their safety, you know, their updated safety protocols and thing. Right. Well, they actually annexed, um, I guess, what used to be some, some like boardroom space down mm-hmm. on deck four um, into a new casino, uh, uh, the old and conference that was room. completely smoke free. Okay. So, what is there like? Did you walk through there? I mean, I know that there used to be a conference room down on deck four, so they changed it into a uh, casino, huh? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a whole like smoke free casino. It has its wow. own bar and everything. It's actually kind of crazy. Yeah, that's that's wild. Does that ship have the 5D theater, or was that the next one? Was that Breeze that has that? No, I don't think it had the okay. 5D theater. <laughs> gotcha. Um, anytime, like in the nightclub or any after-hour hotspots? No, we're we're not really too big of a nightclub people. Mm-hmm. Uh, my girlfriend and I, we're in our mid-20s. We like to, to you know, our fair share of partying and, and drinking and whatnot. The clientele on this ship seemed to be a little bit older Okay. Um, than other carnival ships maybe because we're we were sailing uh pretty close to christmas maybe all the kids are either not out of school yet or at home with their families sure but it definitely seemed like it was a little bit of an older crowd and which is it's fine that's you know we're cool with that it's just we weren't really super comfortable in the uh in the nightclubs and things like that <laughs> i got you i got you so you make your way back to port canaveral how was your debark great it was awesome um we did the um the checked bags for the first time where we kind of let them take them the night before and it was a breeze it was so easy we just we did that we we went down in the morning to grab some breakfast in the the dining room and we waited for our our bag tag numbers to be called and we walked off the ship it didn't take very long to clear customs it was a very very easy are they using the facial recognition there they are yeah it was actually really cool nice any first-time tips to offer someone who might be sailing Carnival Magic or heading down to the Eastern Caribbean? If you're heading to San Juan and you like to drink, go to Casa Bacardi. <laughs> get, <laughs> yeah. you, get you some rum for sure. And if you're doing the drink package on any Carnival cruise ship, when you're asking for your favorite drink, specify what kind of liquor you'd like. Because uh, if they have it, they'll make it with it. Nice. Very good. Uh, I haven't had that one 12 years. haven't had that one as a tip yet. So that's a, uh, that's a new one and a good one, though. Uh, looking back, I, I, I have a feeling I know what you're going to say because it could involve San Juan. But what was the biggest highlight of your cruise? <laughs> uh, definitely, without a doubt, 
San Juan, for sure. Yeah. The uh, Casa Bacardi factory was not only a great time because we got to drink, but it was just a beautiful place to just kind of hang out and spend a little bit of time. Unfortunately, we didn't have a whole lot of time in San Juan, so mm-hmm. the time we did get to spend there was, was, was really great. What are your final thoughts of Carnival Magic? Great ship. I would definitely cruise it again. We are still relatively novice cruisers, um, and this was the biggest ship I think we had been on uh, since we started cruising. That will change, hopefully, in February when we go on the horizon. (laughs) Nice. How good of a job do you think Carnival is doing keeping their guests safe? I think they're doing pretty well. I'll be honest. It's uh, the staff, you know, we got to treat the staff with all the respect that we can. Mm -hmm. Um, They're doing their, their best. I definitely saw on more than one occasion staff asking guests to make sure they have their mask on or make sure they have their mask on properly. And that make me that made me feel a little bit better about the whole situation we got going on in the world. Yeah. And I've had a lot of people who were very nice and they just pulled their mask up. Maybe they weren't thinking coming off of the Lido deck down into the lower decks. Sure. And, and you know, unfortunately you get those people who huff and puff about it and yeah. you know, can't do too much about that other than, you know. Watch it happen. <laughs> Let's hope 2022 is much different, my friend. Yeah, yeah, and I think it will be. I think the cruise lines are heading in a great direction. Yeah. I've been talking with Isaiah about his seven-night Eastern Caribbean cruise aboard Carnival Magic down there in Port Canaveral. Isaiah, thank you so much for stopping by. And, hey, when you sail Horizon, let's do it again. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm ready. All right, Dougie. Let's see what we got for you, buddy. Cruise Radio is produced at the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. Get cruise news, ship reviews, and money-saving tips every Thursday on Cruise Radio. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show. If you want to help spread the word, give Cruise Radio a five-star review. Find Cruise Radio where you listen to your favorite podcast or online at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.